0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast coming off a bye week. Hope you all survived without Colts football and of course without us. Uh, We preview the Colts Week 8 matchup with the Lions coming up, detailing keys to the game, making predictions. I'm here with Mike Chappell, Joe Hopkins in the studio, but first we'll start with some news around the league. Um, nothing crazy this week uh, coronavirus related but there are a few things we'll touch on and the Giants have quarantined all but four of their offensive line so I mean I say nothing crazy but I I know Giants fans are looking at that and they probably think that's a little crazy Um, after one tested positive for COVID-19 this week saw a similar situation with the Raiders offensive line the good news there was the Raiders were able to play the quarantine group except for the one who tested positive that week so things worked out well just hopefully for the Giants sake it's able to do the same and uh, also uh, ian Rappaport reported today on thursday as we record this podcast that the chargers had a player test positive for COVID as well um and they're taking the necessary precautions over there uh in L- la Facility facility's going to stay open but uh, all all meetings uh, will be virtual for the chargers this week so i uh, wanted to touch on that before we get to other news around the uh, around the league and uh, we have our first antonio brown sighting of the year he pops up every every year um, now that uh, he's kind of on the uh, on the outside looking in, really, at the um, at at an NFL career, trying to get back into the fold, uh, played one game for the Patriots last year in 2019 before everything uh, fell apart, and he has signed on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, joining his old pal Tom Brady. And uh, Joe points out, Mike, that uh, there are three wide receiver sets. If uh, everyone is healthy in Tampa, will be. Uh, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, which is certainly uh, the best receiver set as a whole that Tom Brady will have ever had in his career.
1: And then you had Gronk. Right. With whatever level he's at. This is one, as long as I've been around the league, it just reinforces the idea that if you can play or have played, the tolerance for all that you've done is so much higher than your third-string tackle. So they can say all they want about well, we're, you know what he's done, this, that, and the other. They believe he can play. They believe that they're not. I don't think anyone's saying that they're convinced he's a reformed player. They just believe that for X number of months he he can keep himself straight and narrow. And anytime you hear coaches and teams say, "Well, you know, we have standards," that's BS. Hmm. If a guy can help you, they'll bring him in.
0: And Joe, I mean, when you look at that dangerous receiving lineup, uh, first, as a fantasy guy, you're like, well, he's going to take targets away from everybody else. So you try to figure out how he works his way into the system there. But certainly it's a benefit for Tom Brady if we can get uh, if he can get even uh, even half of the production that Antonio Brown has had throughout his career.
2: Yeah. And I mean, they're fighting in that division with the New Orleans Saints, who hopefully one day will get Michael Thomas back. <laughs> Um, and the Panthers aren't half bad this year as well, so that's a competitive division. And you know they're they're going for it this year. They're all in on this season.
0: How about the Panthers this year making some? Oh good yeah, strides Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, exactly. Right. He,
1: with McCaffrey missing,
2: yeah, what some, two or some three time. games, whatever it's yeah, been. Yeah, they've had, had a good— Mike Davis, the new McCaffrey, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: McCaffrey's
0: just a system guy. He he's really. Yeah.
1: And that's but but that's one reason why it takes something really serious for a player to not play. Yeah. Because they, they these players, that they pay attention, and they notice that if you're out, someone steps in, and, and, and if they do a good job, unless you're the elite player, it's hard to get your job back.
0: You get Wally Pipped. It's going to happen in various places. Just ask Wally Pipped. Uh, is, is he still alive? I have no idea. Probably Who the not. hell is Wally Pipped? <laughs> Are you serious, Joe? <laughs> yes, who's Wally Pipped? You P- have no idea. That, that That's a very common sports expression. You get Wally Pipped. Wally Pipp was a was a starter for the New York Yankees. He uh, he got hurt. And a, a young whippersnapper by the name of, I believe it was Lou Gehrig, came in and uh, and filled in for him and played yeah. for like a zillion years. Exactly, and then he like never missed a game until uh, he got Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, exactly. Thanks, Thanks for you know, schooling you, me up. You're there. Suppo- no problem.
1: You're supposed to go into every day hoping to learn one thing. There you go. And if you learn one thing every day, it was a good day. So today's a good day, Joe.
0: Exactly. I never would
2: have known if I didn't. Well, there ask. you go. See.
0: We hope you all learned something about the Colts and Lions this week. That is the horseshoes matchup. This week eight game, a 1 p.m. kickoff broadcast in central Indiana on CBS 4. And uh, let's run down the injury report before we get to the details of, uh, of this game, of this week eight game now for the Colts. Uh, as they uh, really start to get toward the second half of the season. Uh, on Wednesday, their injury report. Good news is things are better, Mike, than they were going into the bye, as you would certainly hope uh, the case to be. But on Wednesday, only tight end Mo Ali cox missed practice due to injury. He had a knee injury still before the bye. That is still lingering a bit after the bye. Um, also, Justin Houston, Jack Doyle, Julian Blackman, Trey Burton, Danico Autry did not practice for either rest or non-injury-related reasons. And the best news here uh, for Colts fans will be that Darius Leonard with a groin injury, Michael Pittman Jr. with a leg injury, and Kamoko Torrey with an ankle injury were all out at practice like they were not uh, the week before, uh, during the Bengals week. So, uh, Mike, good news to see Leonard and Pittman there, and, of course, Torrey as well, trying to take the first steps in uh, returning from the physically unable to perform list.
1: Yeah, I remember Kamoko Torrey had the uh – Really badly dislocated ankle, terribly broken and dislocated. Early the first week of October at Kansas City, more than a year. Yeah, just a shade over a year. He's on pup. He's they've designated him to return, which means he can practice. There's a 21 day window to either that he can practice at the end of that, or any time during that, uh, you activate him, or at the end of it, you can leave him on pup, which means he's done for the year. But and and, but Frank Reich told us really that. He's going to need, he said, two weeks. If he really looks good, maybe this week, maybe next week he plays. But more encouraging is Darius Leonard's been back out there the last two days, including today. Uh, Michael Pittman, who's on IR, sort of, but he's designated a return so he can practice. I sort of think both those guys played this week.
0: And, I get that feeling, too.
1: Yeah, and and they really need both. It was, we, we talked to uh, DeForest Buckner this week or last week about – the last two games, the defense have given up scores on the first four drives of the last two games, which is just ridiculous. And he said we've lacked, we sort of like juice. Well, Darius brings the juice. Mm-hmm. He, he, so if yes, he's a playmaker, but also he's kind of like the engine that gets these guys going. Having him back would be great. And Michael Pittman, we we started to see what he could bring to this offense. The big target makes the tough catches in in, in traffic, the third down catches. So each player will, will, you know, how much they play, I don't know. Uh, With with Darius, I remember, and and even Pittman, uh, I compare it sort of, you can't compare injuries, but you can compare situations. Trey Burton missed the first three games with a calf injury. Remember, he injured it at at Lucas Oil. Right. He misses three weeks. And at the end of those three weeks, he practices. He practiced, I think, Wednesday, Thursday didn't practice Friday and played a ton. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's kind of how we would look at these with these two players, barring a setback. So I, I sort of anticipate both guys playing Sunday.
0: it certainly be nice to get Pittman Jr. back in the lineup. But, Joe, I don't think that Marcus Johnson's going to go anywhere because he's a guy who stepped in from the practice squad and really caught... Caught a little bit of fire with uh, with Philip Rivers, especially and what once Philip Rivers gets going a little bit with a receiver, especially in a new place. Any quarterback, whether it's Rivers or someone else, you don't want to just pull that rug out from under him in in, in spite of uh, someone returning from IR. I think that the Colts are going to have to find a place for Marcus Johnson on the game day roster. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, and they should. I mean, he's average. He's their big play threat right now. He's averaging over 20 yards per catch. He has five catches of 20 plus yards. On the season, and he's you know when Rivers needs to play deep, he's the guy he chucks it
0: up to. And when you look at the defensive side, Mike touched on uh, Kamoko Teray and returning from pup. I remember talking in the off season or just leading up, maybe it was during the camp time where we where we were just chatting with coaches about Ture's, uh his process to get back. It's it's quite arguable and perhaps likely that the COVID situation, the off season situation, hurt no one worse. For the Colts than it did Kamoko Ture, just because there was no way that you could rehab the same way over a gruesome injury throughout this offseason as you would have been able to in a normal offseason where you could leave your house, where you could go to a medical facility and receive treatment yeah the complex was closed you couldn't you couldn't go to the coach complex it, at all you couldn't go to a gym you couldn't do anything exactly and th- those are all things that those are, those are even all things that normal people do trying to come back from injury I, I use the term normal people and say nfl players are not normal people in the fact of what they have at their disposal because of the affiliation they have with their teams and those facilities mike like you mentioned and also the money they have to be able to go out by themselves or to have things um have special equipment that they have readily available um, to to be able to work out or to uh, to rehab on a daily basis and like do that as their quote unquote full time job. So uh, so so Kamoko, it, 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 this is the situation we're in. You know, it, it's not what it ideally could have been, but I I think Mike, the hope is now that uh, you you finally overcome that that timeline that you could have had, and now that he's back at practice, uh, things are at least a little bit more. I, I hate to say on schedule because it kind of got off schedule, but I'll say on schedule to return. And as you said, Frank Reich said a couple weeks is probably the timeline that they're looking at.
1: And, and if he gets back, not this week, but next week or even the week after, that's a half a season, yeah, that he can make an impact. Mm-hmm. And this team is in position, at form 2 to, uh, to to do something to contend, as opposed to being a team that that's not. So, and again, he's in a position that they re- they really need to have that. Third or fourth guy who's going to get get the pressure, and you know, like Frank Reich was talking, he's get that unique skill set of size, speed, and, and and get off that maybe no one else. Justin Houston, I don't know that he has that type. He, he's he he's an accomplished pass rusher, but they just think Kamoko Terre has th- th- those skills that we've seen at times, uh, and we saw it in the Kansas City game. And let's not forget, they beat the Super Bowl champs last year, mm-hmm. handily. Yep. So uh, it, it, getting him back, uh, find a way to win this week, and then you've got that next four games against, uh was it, Baltimore, Tennessee twice, and Green Bay. Yep. They're like 20-4. and four. So, You need
0: every every single bullet all, in the all, chamber.
1: Correct. All, all hands on deck. Yeah. So, uh, And that's what we talked about maybe last week or the week before, is they're getting healthy at the right time. You know, yes, it'll be great to have Paris Campbell back. That's not going to happen probably, but you're getting in in Molly Cooker, but you're getting a lot of your guys back in areas that you need. Uh, so that that's that's optimistic. That's an optimistic sign for the Colts.
0: Center Ryan Kelly was also limited uh, in Wednesday's practice with a knee injury as well. But uh, just bar- barring any turn for the worst, doubt that's going to be anything that keeps him out for uh, Sunday's game in Detroit. I, di- I do want to mention I want to jump back because I completely jumped over a note that Joe had here in our rundown, a uh, AFC South note, injury-related, so we're not too far off track, that uh, Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew has multiple fractures and a strained ligament in his right thumb that he's been dealing with for the past couple weeks, uh, sustained uh, an injury likely in a game at Houston. And the Jaguars did not know about Minshew's injury until this week, which, which to me, I'm like, w- w- what the heck are you doing, Gardner? If you're saying that you've had an injury for this long, like why aren't you telling the team? Do, do you not trust the doctors on your team? Do you not trust the coaches to keep you in there? I, I don't know. Like that's, that's, to me, the first thing that jumps out. How does the t- How do you as a player not tell... Your coaches or your medical staff about this injury that 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 is stunning to me.
1: Again, is that one where you're afraid of of being getting out of the lineup
0: and getting benched and then not getting back in? Jaguars want to were be pipped. Exactly. Yeah, there you go, Joe. Congratulations. <laughs> you you learned your pro- thing for this week. A Gold star for Joe.
1: But yeah, you're, you're right. How do you hasn't his play shown maybe that something's not right? Or that, yeah, I, I, it's strange because players get treated for everything. They just they just do these teams people have this perception that teams are just throwing players out there and using them and disposable. No, teams really look after – this is their livelihood. Mm -hmm. So so you really look after – Teams invest a lot in these individual players. Yeah, that's what And he might be your quarterback of the future. Mm -hmm. So how how this goes to to doing this, I don't know. But – and we looked – I had to look it up. The backup is Mike Glennon, is that
0: correct? I believe so. So, uh, they have Jake Luton, a rookie there as well, out of Oregon State.
1: And I'm still surprised and amazed. I, I pulled that out of
0: uh, out of somewhere. We'll right. just leave that. Yeah, <laughs> leave it at that. But
1: it, it, it's it just it's 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 like they can't get out of their own way in Jacksonville. The Colts game
0: is their only win
1: uh, this I'm, year. I'm, <laughs> I said I, I'd be a terrible coach or GM because I'd still be saying, How in the God's earth did we lose that game? It's because I,
0: I, I went. It's because I went on the road with them. What The, the, the games go. that I travel on so, the road so with, we'll the Colts, they lose. It is, my, And especially the trips to Jacksonville. I was on that one a couple years ago. That was the 55 or whatever Blake Bortles game. I think Allen Robinson was still on the Jaguars that year, and Allen Hearns as well. So they had they had a heck of a receiving group. Well, I
1: was but, there for the 375 game, yeah. rushing game, which is really, <laughs> it's really hard to get 375, but they, <laughs> they did it going away. <laughs>
0: So the Lions just one injury on their official report this Wednesday, and that is cornerback Desmond Trufant uh, remains out with a lingering hamstring injury, and uh, Trufant has not played since Week Four, which certainly could be notable since uh, the Lions just this past offseason traded away their one All-Pro player in cornerback Darius Slay. So they were counting on Trufant to to kind of be a leader back there in the secondary. Uh, I know that well certainly he's not the only player back there, but you, you lose a guy that that you're counting on a lot this year. And that's certainly significant. So, um, so that brings us to the game itself and some details on both teams. The Colts are four and two. The Lions are three and three. The Lions, though, have won three of their last four, so they're playing well right now. They dropped the first two games of the season. They've gone three and one since. And really, guys, if you remember looking back to Week One of the season, they were they were one catch away in the end zone from beating that beating the Bears that Week One, and that was just the first game of the Bears' crazy start to the year when they were uh when they were grabbing wins out of thin air but uh the lions very nearly won that game they could very easily be four and two right now which i know is the case with with various teams in the nfl you say oh one play goes differently and and things are completely different for your season but but it's true for the lions too so i just want to bring it up like uh, and and if they're four and two with that uh with a win over the bears their only losses are to the packers and saints so it's not like they're losing to to bad teams uh, this Lions team has shown to be dangerous this year. They've beaten the Arizona Cardinals, which is after their win over Seattle uh, just this past week, this past Sunday night, you know that the Cardinals are going to be a force uh, out in the NFC West, which I, I, it's funny. As somebody who grew up in Philadelphia, you know, the I, I get all the NFC East news, and there are some comments. Can, can the Cardinals go back to the NFC East? Because they, they used to be in the East, of course, when they were St. Louis and then were Phoenix for a while before they got shuttled out West in the early 2000s. But... Uh, that that NFC West is, is a dangerous division, and I'm rabbit-trailing. I'm coming back to the Colts and Vikings right now. The Colts come out of the bye week, ranking second in total defense, only behind the Pittsburgh Steelers, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, at number one in the NFL. Uh, the Colts are top three in both pass and rushing yards allowed per game, so no, ex, uh, no obvious holes uh, in there, although, as Mike said, the starts to the past couple uh, couple games could have certainly been better for the Colts defense. Uh, the horseshoes are fourth in points allowed; they're allowing less than twenty points per game. Uh, they're first in interceptions in the NFL, which uh, which Mike I think is is quite notable, especially since they've already had a bye week, so they they've played fewer games than anybody in the NFL, and that secondary has taking the ball away pretty well.
1: Yeah, I think the the ten interceptions is it uh, is it th- third in the league? Have you get that, Joe?
0: I think it's first. Well, Joe but, said
1: it's first. Okay, I, I thought there were a couple of teams that, that have played more games, but still, it's. It, I, I didn't bring my notes with them, which shame on me. But I went back and looked, and it, it, that's the most interceptions they've had in a long time in the first six games. Mm-hmm. So, and, it, and it's been from, you know, the the defense. It, it's been from all levels. The safeties have them. The corners have them. Mm-hmm. The linebackers have them, and I think that's can be attributed partially to the not partially, but in, in a in a big portion the uh, pressure up front, mm-hmm. they're doing a really good job, and it may be on your your list here, Joe. I haven't looked it over, but you've got ten interceptions and zero fumble recoveries. That's that's just crazy. <laughs> How do you not fall on one that's there? And I, I still think they got hosed in Cleveland. Yes, I do. First too. play of the game. I yeah. mean, that was just bad. Yes, but that you know maybe the fact that Darius has not been out there for two games impacts that because he's that he's, he's, he's really yet. good at creating. Fumbles, but uh, I've really liked the way this team's taking the ball away. They remember they had the uh, goal of forty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not out of the question, but but I like the way this this secondary is playing. Xavier Rhodes is playing lights out. Mm-hmm. You talk about getting a guy on the cheap, and he's he's playing at a Pro Bowl. I don't know All Pro level, but but a Pro Bowl level. So a great off season signing by. Um, Chris Ballard.
0: Yes, once again, uh, picking up somebody in the in the Eric Ebron vein that people right. think might be washed up a little bit, but you come and you get breathe new life in, and for Xavier, he's healthier now than he has been in a couple of years, and things seem to be working out well. Joe, could you look up that in-reception stat?
2: They are number one.
0: Okay. okay. Yep. Staying um, corrected.
2: Tennessee's number two with nine.
0: Uh, offense for the Colts. Oh, after one more note, 18th in sacks, which is a little surprising to me. This uh, because after a couple weeks in the season, they were up there. I think it was after two or three weeks, they were top three or four in the NFL in sacks. So it slowed down a little bit that production. But but Mike, as you mentioned, it's not because of a real a lack of uh, lack of pressure. I don't think because that that pressure has been, as you said, forcing some of those wayward passes that have turned into interceptions. So we,
1: we um, talked we talked to Brian Baker, the defensive line coach, last week, and and he's sort of. It was interesting what he said. He sort of took the blame in a way for the lack for the decline in in sacks, because they they've been so concerned about not letting quarterbacks get out out of the
0: pocket. Because you look at Baker Mayfield and what right. he well, did, and, and, and Sam Darnold, yeah, yeah. and Burnham Sam down. Darnold yeah.
1: did it too, in Burrow. He said so. So they were a little hesitant, maybe.
0: That makes a lot of sense.
1: And if that's the case, then it, you know all it takes is the half a second. So I think that I got the impression that that not to go to to take it to the to a fault but they may take their chances on letting the guy get outside the pocket just just to get get their uh, sack total back up and we'll see what they can do against Matthew Stafford this week he's weekend. not going to he's not Mr. he's not Philip Rivers no but neither is he Kyler Murray
0: not many people are Philip Rivers Correct. to be fair or Kyler Murray uh, on the other end but uh to the Colts offense ranking 14th in points per game in the NFL so middle of the pack there 26 points per game um, 19th in yards per game middle of the pack there 10th in passing, which certainly gets a big buoy from what Phillip Rivers was able to do against the uh, Bengals before going into uh, the bye week. And the offensive line has allowed the fewest sacks in the NFL, which is six, which again, I'm sure sure helps out that they've played one fewer game than some teams. But nevertheless, uh, this is something that Phillip Rivers did not have last year with the Chargers, where he was quote-unquote running for his life, at least uh, shuffling around for his life. And uh, that's been one of the... One of the strengths of the Colts this year, Mike, has been there. Has been their pass blocking for sure. And we'll we'll get to the and and Joe on the other side of the ball. Uh, well, not on the other side of the ball. On the same side of the ball. But uh, the the Colts' run blocking has been probably one of the most disappointing uh, aspects of what they've been able to do this year. If I had told you that the Colts would be dead last in the NFL through Week Seven in rush yards per carry, Joe, your reaction before the season would have been what?
2: I would uh, I would have tried to bet you on that one. Yeah, Don't put money on that.
0: I, I, like I would have thought honestly that that the entire offensive line caught COVID. Or yeah. that, or, or seriously, or that Anthony Costanzo and Quentin Nelson accidentally ran into each other and got, both got concussions and were going to be out for three weeks. Like, that's the only way you'd, you could have convinced me that was true, Mike. That's, that's been, to me,
1: the most disappointing aspect is run blocking. And I, I understand we can sit here and say situations, trading the Bengals twenty one zero getting behind the Browns, and, and throwing the ball 42 times at Jacksonville. But there, there have been those handful of plays that just you shake your head. The fourth and one, I'll I'll harp on fourth and one at Jacksonville all season because I'm afraid that's going to come back and really haunt them. Which is again why you'd be a bad
0: GM. But correct, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I I, I can't (laughs) let things go.
1: But there have been two or three times, uh, three or four times, where where third and one, it just hasn't worked. And if I've got this offensive line, that should be the least of my worries. Is getting that yard. Uh, on the sacks, I think it's it's really the numbers don't tell how good it's been. You're talking about probably not probably, you're talking about the most gettable quarterback in the league. He's not going anywhere, Phillip Rivers. Yet they've given up you said six sacks. He's been sacked five times. Remember the one sack was Brissett on that package play at Jacksonville. That's a good point. Yes. So so Rivers has been sacked five times for I believe it's eighteen yards. Although maybe the eighteen yards includes Brissett's. and two of Rivers' sacks have been because he was unable to get back to the line of scrimmage yeah. <laughs> because you know he's slow. Uh-huh. So the the fact that he's only really been sacked three times, with, with as much as he drops back and and as 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 non elusive as he is, is really amazing. And I went back and looked to his by the NFL box score stats, he's been sacked five times the, the the Colts have given up six sacks and only 19 hits and the 19 hits includes the sacks only 13 mm-hmm. other times so for a team that right now is one dimensional doing a great job but you can't you you've got to get this this running game fixed show a better i think a stronger commitment to it and and let that again that's their that's who they are that's how they built this team and until they get back there, to expect Phillip Rivers to do what he did against Cincinnati, uh, you're just asking too much.
0: And we'll get to, uh, in just a bit, why the run game could be especially important this week in Detroit. But I'll first uh, let you know, or will remind you, that you can follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone, for Colts news throughout the week. Also check us out, fox59.com or cbs4indy.com, to check out what Mike has to say from uh, listening to uh, Colts uh Press conferences and what he writes and all that stuff. And we all chip in there as well. Um, and download and subscribe to us on the Coast Blue Zone podcast to get this delivered uh, to your podcast listening device every week whenever we drop it, usually Thursday afternoons. Uh, and Joe did a good deep dive this week about uh, some Colts players to rank in the top 10 significant statistical categories. And there are really only two if you're not talking about probably pancakes for the offensive line. And I don't even know if they'd be uh, up there, but like more of the more common statistics that you'll see. And that's Xavier Rhodes is tied for seventh in the NFL with two interceptions and tied for fifth with eight passes defended. We've talked about him already and the, uh, the big boost that he's given to the secondary this year. And also, unsurprisingly, kicker Rodrigo Blankenship is uh, third in the NFL in scoring with 63 points and third in total field goals made. And both of those he was just passed this past week because he was on a bye. He used to be number one in uh, in both of them, or at least tied for number one. I think it was in field goals before leading into the week. I could be wrong about that, but I know he was at least up there. So uh, when you look around the best in the league, those are the two guys, although you could certainly say if you're a Colts fan, if you're a glass-half-empty kind of fan, that uh, Rodrigo is up there because the Colts' uh, red zone offense has been less than stellar. And specifically, as we've just been talking about, the run game has been less than stellar, trying to find those short-yarded situations. But uh, nevertheless, Rodrigo is coming through uh, when he is asked upon uh, much, much, much more often than not. So those are the two Colts that are, at least right now, having the best seasons when it comes to looking around Across what other players in the NFL are doing, there was
1: a. I noticed a tweet from Pro Football Focus. They had Darius Leonard ranked as the number three linebacker mm-hmm. in the league, and that's missing two games. Right, so, and that just kind of again talking to Frank Reich, we asked him what you know the the value of Leonard, he says just his presence, mm-hmm. you know what he brings emotionally and what he brings as a player. So again, th- there's a handful of players. This league's that we've talked. This league's about difference makers. And he's a difference maker. It's going, to be, it's going to be huge to get him back in some capacity. And I, I think if he plays, he plays a lot.
0: Now we turn to the Detroit Lions. As I mentioned, 3-3. Three and three. They've won three of their last four games. Wins came against Arizona, Jacksonville, and Atlanta. So Arizona impressive, Jacksonville, and Atlanta perhaps not quite as impressive. But they did have to come back on Atlanta. Uh, thanks to a Everybody, Todd come, Gurley. everybody
1: yeah. comes back on Atlanta.
0: Here's the thing, and it, it, it's exactly what I tweeted. Like Todd Gurley scores that touchdown with just a short time to go, allowing Detroit to get the ball. Like The exact same thing happened the night before. The exact same thing between Penn State and Indiana. All you have to do is go down at the one-yard line. You can run down the clock and win the game. With Penn State, it was even worse. They could just kneel, 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 kneel. Atlanta could have to kneel, 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 kick a field goal. They're late, and they would, with no time left on the clock, they could have won the game. Should have watched my Hoosiers. Exactly. Joe still celebrating from uh, from last week, uh, that win <laughs> over Penn State, I'm sure, as, as all Hoosier Nation should be. That was a heck of a game, man. Heck of a game. The, but- there,
1: there was a uh, a clip on, on Twitter from NFL Films put it out, I think, from, from that situation with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it was that player or the one before, but Matt Ryan's in the huddle, get the first down and go down. Get the first down and go down. Now, whether that was that down or the or the down before, because then they showed Gurley
0: breaking a tackle, yep. at around the three, and then sort falling of falling in, trying to stop, and trying to in. stop, and, and going in. That is un- underrated. That's a really good play from the whichever Lions defender that was, because what he did was he got Gurley to start working his momentum to break the tackle, and then he couldn't stop himself after he broke the tackle. So it was kind of like a fake tackle attempt anyway, because you want him to score. But uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But if he did all that on purpose, that's a that's a low key like play of the game for sure. If you're doing a fake tackle to get this guy to build some momentum and fall into the end, that's what it looked like to me. But maybe like I said, maybe I'm thinking too much into it and that's not what happened. But uh, but it looked like a really good play just just from from that perspective. Uh, The Lions on the season ranked 15th in scoring. So right in the middle of the pack, right by the Colts, who are 14th. Uh, they're 23rd in yards per game, so kind of in the bottom third of the league there, 20th in passing. Matthew Stafford uh, has 1,500 passing yards, which is low per his usual numbers, for sure. Ten touchdowns, four interceptions, certainly nothing to write home about. He's not having a stellar season. Um, 14 sacks. Uh, it's in the middle of the pack in the league as well. And uh, 18th in rushing, middle of the pack in the league, they have Adrian Peterson, Uh Still hearing about him in another 20 years, he'll be like Frank Gore, still going in the NFL probably. Uh, DeAndre Swift as well, a rookie who was actually drafted ahead of Jonathan Taylor uh, in the second round this year. He's averaging more than five yards per carry, uh, though he's getting the ball uh, less than half the time that that Peterson is as of right now. So he's kind of been the change of pace back to the more... A uh, consistent uh, shot that Peterson's getting, Joe. Although he
2: has gotten more touches than Peterson the last two weeks, there you and go. part of those are receptions. He's yeah. kind
0: of their receiving back as well. Okay, good point. On defense, the Lions are twentieth in points per uh, points allowed. They're giving up twenty seven points per game. Uh, 22nd in total defense in terms of yards, 26th against the run, 20th against the pass. Um, they have the fifth fewest sacks in the league, so their front isn't uh, getting that much pressure, and they're 23rd in takeaway. So again, not not a lot of great statistics on the defensive side of the ball. They have faced some really good offensive teams, like Arizona, who they beat, like the Packers and the Saints, who they were able, who who they lost to, um, and the Bears in Week One. Uh, I think put up some really good numbers then. Um, so it's not, it's not a team that jumps off the page anywhere statistically like the Colts do with the defense being top three in the league in both passing yards and rushing yards allowed per game being number one in interceptions. There's nothing like that that you can point to and say, Hey, this is the the lion's strength on the defensive side of the ball but I think there is somewhere where you could uh, point out one of their weaknesses on the rush, uh, specifically on the rush defense. And that is one of the keys to the game that, that Joe, uh, that Joe listed here. And I, I concur wholeheartedly. And that's um, the lions allow 190 Mike rushing yards per game in their three losses, 190 rushing yards in their three y- losses. They allow just 73 rush yards per game in their three wins. So like for, This is, what, the Colts' seventh game of the year? Probably for the seventh time this year, one of our keys <laughs> to the game is establish the run. And uh, for no other reason, Mike, th- than that, it doesn't matter what the Colts have done this year and what, what they've done well or done poorly, any team going in against the Lions, your number one goal is probably going to be establish the run based on that stat alone.
1: Because, that, again, that's who you are. And for the Colts, that's who you are. That's who you tell us you are. Yes. And, and, and at some point, and we're at that point, it's not because of situations. It's not because of kneel downs. It's not because of whatever. You're not getting it done. And if I'm that offense in that offensive line room, if I'm not just beating the the chairs, run the ball, and come out committed to running the ball, which means the Rivers will come out and throw the first ten <laughs> balls will be you that's know, just what happens. They'll be passes. But if if you want to get back to who you are. Then you've got to have a, a stronger commitment to it, unless again the game gets so far away from you. But but you've you've got to uh, again. Can Stafford Stafford can put up numbers? Oh yeah, three. He's he's almost like a younger Phillip Rivers as far as stats. I mean, he can throw it now. Again, I think he's gettable. I, I think they this pass rush can get to him. But t- to control the game. It's come out and try to establish, not try, but establish who you are. Let the offensive line kind of settle in and maybe have one of those 30-carry games. And I've, I've thought all along, and I asked Frank this over the bye week, Is has it, has it worked out to where you've kept, maybe on purpose, you, you've kept Jonathan Taylor fresh as can be? Keep in mind that normally at this time of the year, a rookie – Will have played six games plus four preseason games. Mm-hmm. Hasn't had that. Right. What's he, ha- what's he got,
0: Joe? Uh, 70, 80 carries this year?
2: It's around 80. Let me look up the exact number.
0: So through six games, it would be about 80 carries. What do you have in there? 15 carries, less than that, like between 10 and one game carries.
2: he had 26 carries. 89 carries.
0: Yeah, yeah and one so, he had 26. Good
1: you know, point. It was He had to have 89 carries in back-to-back games. Oh, yeah, so, so I think it does, <laughs> w- whether this is the way they plan it, which I don't think it is, or the way it's happened, Jonathan Taylor has got to be as fresh as you can be as a rookie in, in Game 7. So I'm not, I'm not saying give him the ball 30 times. I'm not. But there's got to be a, a concerted effort to establish this kid, his yards per attempt or yards per carry are going up the last two or three games. And he's the kind of guy, if you give it to him enough, he's going to break some. So a little bit of rivers and a lot of the running game. And I like their chances.
0: And on the other side of the ball, another key, you got to disrupt Matt Stafford for sure. Um, we, We just talked about that a little bit with your discussion, Mike, on Brian Baker, trying to get to him, trying to either force him out of the pocket or more ideally bring him down um joe you look at uh, at stafford and th- the numbers indicate i don't think a lot of nfl well i think some nfl fans realize this but uh, if you're here and you're just focused on the colts and you don't look as much around the nfl you might not realize that matthew stafford is on pace to break the nfl's passing yards number in his career like there, there's a very good chance that he's going to do that so at, 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 in this season he's not having a great year as we mentioned but 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 you can't sleep on him, and he's got good weapons out there, Joe, that he can throw to. So it's not uh, just because you look at what what numbers he has, uh, you you can't go into this game just daring him to throw the ball because he I, will he exactly. Can. And I, I think that, that that would certainly be the wrong the wrong strategy to to. To employ, you got to disrupt him. You got to get back there. You got to get in his face and uh, and see what that what that does for you at the end of the day,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, he's not having one of his career years, and I think that's part of the way Detroit is playing their offense. This isn't the gunslinger mentality they've had on offense in the past. But I mean, you'll take. 10 touchdowns to four interceptions all day. I think the Colts would take that out of their quarterback. And so Stafford kind of reminds me of, like, a Matt Ryan. Like, I feel like if he was on a better team than the Lions, he'd get a lot more respect around the league. Ryan's got an MVP, made it to a Super Bowl. So uh, Matthew Stafford is nothing to scoff at, and you said it. His weapons are deep.
0: Kenny Galladay is the number one weapon that he has coming off back-to-back 100-yard performances. Uh, 20 catches for 338 yards, two touchdowns. In, in four games uh, this season for for Galladay. Also, as Danny Amendola, uh, second year tight end T.J. Hawkinson has been has been really impressive. I think he's been one of the better uh, tight ends in the league uh, this year. Has a touchdown in three straight games. He was the tenth overall pick in 2019. I think that was the same pick that Eric Ebron was taken uh, back in the day. So he's not like you rarely see tight ends taken. I, I bring that up to say you rarely see tight ends taken that high in the draft. They only get taken that high if they have special talents or special abilities. Special Athletic uh, feats that uh, that guys like an Eric Ebron has that Colts fans saw over the years. Uh, Hawkinson's another one of those guys and he can he can do damage that very few other tight ends do. Uh, Marvin Jones is another guy who uh, who's a big play threat, but is kind of having a quiet year. Um, and DeAndre Swift has twenty catches out of the backfield as well. Um, so so there's there's plenty of chances or plenty of places that that uh, Stafford can go with the ball if they get a little bit more uh, froggy uh, with their play calling. But uh, again, you look at the discrepancy in in rush yards allowed by the Lions defense – uh, there's another discrepancy on offense that kind of uh, lends itself to wins and losses on the year, and that's completion percentage for Matthew Stafford. He's completing more than two thirds of his passes, 67% in their three wins. He's only completing 57% of his passes in their three losses. So that, that, that's again just just more more reason for the Colts to really really get in his face and try to just disrupt him there and uh, and just just get things off of sequence. And that's that's a one strategy to. To, to win the game and if you look at another key that kind of comes from that one it's win the turnover battle the more you're in Stafford's face the more chances you have to either knock the ball out or intercept the ball one or the other or anyone else doesn't matter if it's Peterson or Swift if they can put it on the ground even though as we mentioned the Colts haven't had a single fumble recovery all year long but um but just just trying to disrupt the offense to cause those turnovers will will be key again and uh, Joe you make the point and Mike I'll I'll, I'll pr- I'll flip this to you, saying that uh, in order to win the turnover battle, it'd be good to have uh, the Phillip Rivers that we saw for the most part against the Bengals, except for that one uh, very questionable pass. But uh, not not the Philip Rivers that uh, that has turned the ball over uh, recklessly at times in uh, trying to do perhaps too much too soon in in, in earlier games this year. So, well, and that's what we say.
1: If you if you can get the running game back to where it needs yeah. to be top ten, I mean, when they talking top five, top ten, then you sort of complement it with Philip Rivers and you throw when you want to throw, not when you have to throw. So all the all the criticism that we can throw at the team right now, which and there, there's this legitimate stuff that that they're not doing right. They're four and two, you know. I think I looked at right now they're the seventh seed in the AFC, mm-hmm. uh, so so they the, they would get that last playoff spot. But that last playoff spots, it's gonna be Colts, it's gonna be Cleveland, it's gonna be Vegas, and Cleveland's got the tie break on you right now. Yep. So you you just can't you can't fall behind much because there, there there's just a lot of teams that, that maybe we didn't think were going to be that good are that good. Tennessee. So all of a sudden now you have to really split with Tennessee mm-hmm. to be where you want to be. And it's games like this, we've talked about this, it's games like this that if you are who you think you are, you find a way to win it. You take care of business and you walk home. You you walk out of there and you're then you brace for that next four games. But this is a monster game for these guys.
0: If I look at um just keys to the game, I think one off off the beaten path key could be the tight end play because you haven't seen Mo Ali Cox on Wednesday, and I don't think he's out there today either on Thursday. I don't think he probably doesn't play. Yeah, um, so. So that's that's a hit that you take. You got Trey Burton back, but uh, Jack Doyle missed Wednesday's practice as well with a non uh, it was non disclosed reason. It wasn't it wasn't rest. It wasn't was an injury. It wasn't injury either. So um, so Jack just he just at least missed a practice. That's something you at least have to keep your eye on this early in the week. Um, but it, if if there's if they're down a couple tight ends, that that's uh, obviously bad. But even if they're down Mo, Mo is shown that. Uh, uh, he's a, he's a weapon for Philip Rivers either over the middle of the field, uh, running like an elk through the through the Montana valleys, um, and, and or and in the red zone uh, <laughs> too. So
1: and we were talking about the tight ends and how Detroit's got a, an elite one, a very good one. Mm-hmm. It, it's the the quirk of the Colts tight ends I wrote about early in the week is there's not a draft pick among them. Yep, yeah. they've got four players on the active roster and two. Two tight ends on the practice squad, and not one of them was drafted. It's really just kind of quirky that that's happened that way. But the guys that they've got have really uh, established themselves. I mean, Jack Doyle, for crying out loud, has gotten two two Pro free,
0: Bowls, two free agent contracts, and two free agent contracts. So, so
1: I take those over my Pro Bowls, right? Because you're talking forty seven million dollars. So it's it's they've got they've got a really good again. And this is a tight end friendly offense. Now if if Jack's out for for whatever reason. And you're getting Pittman back. Maybe you go more three wides more often, but uh, you know, again, they, they really like their tight ends. And and Trey Burton, we've seen in training camp and we've seen early on here that he and he and Philip Rivers really connected early with whatever that connection is between receivers and quarterbacks, and he could be active again.
0: So the Colts will take on the Lions on Sunday afternoon, a one o'clock kickoff, broadcast in Central Indiana by CBS Four. Time for us to make game predictions this week, Joe.
2: I'll go ahead and give you the line on um, on FanDuel here. Colts are two and a half point favorites. The over under is fifty.
0: So they're predicting like a twenty six twenty four ball game right around there. Yeah, the Colts. Um, I will go first. Mike, you'll follow. Joe, you'll wrap things up. I like the Colts in this game. Uh, I like them to be rested on the road. I like them to be healthier than they were going in. Um, I, I think somewhere around a 27-21 ball game um, is is what I'm looking at. I think and I think it could be like a 27-17, but I'll go 27-21. I'll I'll give them that extra touchdown, the Lions. But uh, I have some confidence in the Colts this week. They played their best half of football going into the bye, they had plenty of momentum they got plenty more healthy. I think things are going in the right direction for them, just like they are for the Lions, I, I'll be honest. It's it's going to be two teams that are both playing pretty well. Um, but I think the Colts will be well. I think the bye week will really help them. And so that's why uh, I really am, am a little bit more confident in, in them this week than I would be in the Lions uh, being able to carry on their momentum. So, Mike, what do you have to say?
1: My glass is still half empty. Oh, no. Uh, but I'm picking the Colts. I've got them like twenty-seven, twenty-five. I just don't trust the offense, and that's going to be my what I say and, until they they prove that they can do this from start to finish, and until and that brings back the running game until they get that going. So, I think again, I I, I still believe this is a playoff team. Uh, and if you're a playoff team, you find a way to win against a D- Detroit team that's okay, but nothing special.
0: Joe,
2: I'm going to go. With- 30 to 20 Colts on this one. I think uh, Rodrigo's going to get his field goal numbers back there up. There
0: you go. There you go. Get get that number one spot back. That's
2: right. That's right. Got to right. get Hot
0: Rod right on top of that list. But I, I think we can all agree, and we can say this quickly before wrapping up, that this is, I don't know if it's a must-win game, but, boy, you're, you're going into that tough stretch that you mentioned, Mike, with the, the Titans twice, with the Packers, with the Ravens. This is, this is very, very much an important game that, that you need to get.
2: And if they go two and two during that span, when you yeah, think that'd be that's okay, a, a success, for right? Them? I mean,
0: three and one would be spectacular, I yeah. think, in a stretch like that. So I think two and two during that stretch you'd have to feel really good about.
1: Especially if one of them is Tennessee, which yeah. it needs, it needs yes, to be. You, yes. can't, you cannot get swept by Tennessee. But uh, but but that that's why this game is so important. It, it lines you up to do something. It allows you to go two and two instead of three and one. And then I don't want to say then the, the bottom the back end of the schedule eases up, but it's, it's against teams that aren't playing well. That aren't doing well. So, but it starts in Detroit. Last time the Colts were in Detroit, it was Andrew Luck to Donnie Avery, with you know virtually no time left. It was a great comeback. And my other memory in in Detroit was Peyton Manning on on Turkey Day, threw six touchdowns in three quarters. So,
2: in the throwback unis, in the throwback
1: unis, Ooh. it was three touchdowns to Stokely and three to Marvin Harrison, and and they didn't play in the fourth quarter. So it was pretty amazing. Where did Mar- Marvin Harrison go to school? <laughs> Someplace in Philly. Oh, you're talking college. I'm talking high school. Oh. R- Roman Catholic in, in, a Roman in Philly, Catholic, I believe it was. You
0: would break that up. <laughs> I love it. On the mention of Syracuse University, we can wrap up this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths. You can follow me at G underscore sports. Mike Chapel is at Chapel 51 And Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. One more time, you can follow us throughout the week at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter to get your Colts news delivered whenever it may happen. So we do thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing. We will see you next week.